in death. There are no accidents, no coincidences, no mishaps, and no escapes. What you have to realize is that we're all just a mouse that a cat has by the tail. Every single move we make, from the mundane to the monumental, the red light that we stop at or run, the people we have sex with or walk with us, the airplanes that we ride or walk out of, it's all part of death's sadistic design leading to the grave. Because in the end, no one can escape death. And today may be your day to die. Welcome to Now Playing's Final Destination Retrospective Series. Every survivor dies in the precise order they're meant to die in the accident. So now does that mean we all die? In anticipation of the release of Final Destination 5, join Arnie, Brock, and Jacob each week as they watch and review another film in the Final Destination series. Great. I'm glad I canceled my golf game for this. Good. This podcast will contain spoilers and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Hope you have fun. Today we're talking about The Final Destination. Starring Bobby Campo, Chantel Van Santen, Michael T. Williamson, Krista Allen, and directed by David R. Ellis. This is The Brock, co-host of Now Playing. The Now Playing, thank you. (laughs) And I guess this is The Jacob. This is no fair, because I've been The Arnie since 1993. I've actually had that email address at AOL.com. The Arnie? Yeah, The Arnie. It's like the Todd. Yes. So I'm the Arnie, damn it. <laughs> and I'm here in 3D. We want to thank you for donating. If you did donate, if you didn't donate, why not? Because if you donate, you get bonus podcasts like this Final Destination series. This one being, of course, the fourth one we've done, but this time with the direct article. Now, I will say this is the only Final Destination I saw in theaters because, yes, 3D opened my wallet and i decided i wanted to see this in 3d back when this came out in 2009 home 3d systems just weren't all that good so i figured it was theaters or never so my wife and i went opening weekend and i must say brock back in 09 ui and stewart were kind of going down the path of halloween this opened the same week as halloween 2 from rob zombie which is the film we chose to review Apparently in 2009, we made the wrong choice. I'm trying to fix that now because Mm -hmm. the Final Destination handily beat Halloween 2 in the box office by staying number one two weeks in a row and Halloween 2 just plummeted. Yeah, but you say it's the wrong choice based on box office alone. We felt we made the wrong choice back then because that's what audience was going to see. We wanted to review the Halloween movies, and we did so, but the audience is clearly more interested at that time in seeing a new Final Destination movie than they were in Halloween 2. Then I guess at least now we have a chance to fix it as they make Final Destination 5 and we'd be stuck to never do Halloween had we not. Agreed. So it worked out for everybody. Everyone gets everything they want. I'm just scratching my head how a fourth one got greenlit after that abysmal third Final Destination. Well, did it make any money? That's the whole key, right? Well, it did. It was the most successful one up to that point, which is a head scratcher for me. I was just glad to see that James Wong refused to do the Final Destination. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he took his writer with him. 
And David R. Ellis is back. We loved him in part two. And so my hopes are moderate. They're tempered after part three. But I'm excited that he was back because I love the energy in two. Well, before we talk about it, that energy's back. Why don't you give us a plot summary, Arnie? They don't waste too much time on characters, so why should I? There's a car race and a whole bunch of people die in a vision. And so Nick and his girlfriend Lori and a whole bunch of other people run out screaming people are going to die. And they do. And then death follows them one by one, but this time in 3D, as once again, they try to stop death's plan. As each person dies this time, Nick has a vision of their death. It's still a little bit cryptic, but a bit more informative than, say, photos from a Panasonic DMC FX8. And so Nick and Lori race to try to stop each death in turn based on his visions. And then at the end, he has a final vision seeing Lori and her friend Janet dying in a mall explosion that Nick is able to stop, the first of the deaths he's able to truly prevent. And then a few weeks later, thinking they'd beaten Death's design, they enjoy some coffee, only to be hit by a speeding semi-truck crashing into the building as they wonder, was this Death's design all along? I gotta stay right off the bat, totally different opening here, though. You get the rock music, and it just cuts to the chase, cuts to NASCAR race going on. I thought I was playing an electronic arts racing game, because you get this generic rock music, and cars are just speeding past. It reminds me of every EA sports game ever. I hate to say this right off the bat, because I don't want this to tinge my entire commentary for this movie, but two minutes into this movie with the stock cars driving back and forth in the track, I was already bored. I liked some of the self-awareness that we saw in some of the better Final Destinations. Uh, NASCAR or stock car, whatever. A car race makes perfect sense for a Final Destination film. I grew up, there was a Speedway. We used to go to the Speedway on Saturdays. And why do you go to a Speedway? Why do people watch NASCAR? It's not to watch people do left turn after left turn. It's to watch the crashes. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense in a film about death. And they even call it out that they're only there to watch people crash. That's why we're there at the theater. So they're talking about us. Yes. I love the self-awareness right off the bat. I like the fact that it's ironic. They're going to watch people crash, and they're the ones who end up dying. I like the subversiveness. That's why this works for me. When you go on a roller coaster, once you're on that track, if something goes wrong, you will die, pretty much, or get really, really, really badly hurt. When you're on an airplane, if something goes wrong, you will die, or most likely die, because of you're trapped on that vehicle like you're trapped on a roller coaster. If you're in a car on a long trip and there's an accident, and all that kind of stuff, it's possible. Most people can associate with one of those three or all of those three things. It could happen to you. This, to me, does not have the same kind of danger that being on an airplane does for the audience. So therefore, the connection isn't there for me that I could die watching a NASCAR race. But I could die on a roller coaster. I could die on an airplane. I could die in a car crash. That is very realistic, is that how many times do you hear of stadium stands collapsing? I've heard of it specifically, it's coming to mind for soccer games, as well as I've heard of accidents happening at air shows. So no, there is always that kind of a chance. But what I liked about this opening is that my problem with the last one, and Rocky, you'd complained, I think even in the very first podcast of this series, how long these opening credits took and how lingering they were. And in the third one, we all complained, why are we spending so much time with these people before they get to the roller coaster? It was like lessons were learned here. And Jacob, in the Saw podcast, you talked about gonzo porn. And that reference of yours came to mind for me here. We're not going to waste any time with any setup scenes. We're going to get right to the killing now. And I was kind of happy about that. If you can't write good characters, 
Don't bother trying. Let's just have some fun. You got the white supremacist. You don't need character development. Just throw a big old swastika tattoo on him so we know he's the racist dickhead. And have him literally whistling Dixie. It was lean. It was fast. That's what I want. After that third film, I just want to get to the point. All of the way we're introduced to the characters so quickly, so economically, the cowboy and the cowboy hat, the racist, the super mom putting tampons in her kid's ears, the jackass who's like, yeah, I'm here to watch people die and drinking Jim Beam out of his binoculars. It's all working for me. We're not going to waste any time in this 82 minute movie. We're back for fun and I'm down. And I've said that exact argument about other movies, but beyond where I got lost with the crash, I thought the acting was pretty poor on all fronts. I didn't get engaged by the performances, and I didn't get engaged by what they were setting me up for the tragedy. Once we get to the tragedy, we can talk about that. But the setup for me was losing me from the start. You must not be very patient, because I think we're about four minutes in and the cars begin crashing. And I love it. Everything's coming at you. And the very first death, the woman's head explodes when the tire hits it. I mean, it's over-the-top video gamey. It doesn't look real, but I don't care. I'm laughing, and I'll say... I had some friends over to watch this one, and I'm like, you guys can come over if you want. I have to watch this for a podcast. I don't remember if it's any good, but if you guys are down for the final destination, it's on. The room bursted in laughter at this. And these are some people, some like horror, some don't. Everyone was laughing. Yeah, I love this opening crash scene. The CGI was pretty poor. I don't know if it looked better in 3D, but I liked how excessive it was. The head being taken off by the tire. Just everyone getting crushed. Pretty horrific when you get the mom and she's being trampled by everyone. I'm enjoying it. I'm smiling. Been a while since I smiled during a Final Destination movie. I love this opening car wreck. I will say in 3D, I mean, this movie was filmed in 3D. It was not this cheap-ass post-conversion Green Lantern shit. And the 3D in this film was very good. Was it Avatar? No, but it was very well done 3D. You can obviously tell when watching this in 2D where it's supposed to be in 3D when things are coming at you. Yes, things flew out at you. It's very gimmicky 3D, but it worked. That said, the CGI looked just as bad. That said, I don't even think realism was their goal. This is a Looney Tunes of death, and I think they're fine having the CGI look cartoony. I think that they weren't worried about it. I agree with you. I think the CGI was at that level where they basically were saying, just go with us here. And I was going with them. I didn't mind it either. I didn't think it looked so bad when the rednecks get cut in half. That was a little bit bad. Mm -hmm. Where it really bothered me is where the cement pylons were supposed to fall on people and like they disappeared too early or something. (laughs) That looked like a bad YouTube video, like something somebody would do at home on a Mac. But the rest of it, I was fine. We did lose a lot in the 2D conversion. Unfortunately, this was converted to regular, could be on a normal TV 3D for its first Blu-ray release but it was limited. Now it's out in that really expensive digital 3D format. If you have a more expensive TV than I, post on our forums and tell us how the 3D is on this. I would not spend $50 to own the 3D digital Final Destination Blu-ray. Well, I'm glad to hear you guys were into this from the get-go. I realized that my feelings might be in the minority. It's nice to hear that people enjoy this first scene. And I like that after the whole big crash happens, they go outside and you see the survivors, right? And we're savvy now. This is our fourth time. We know how this plays, right? These are the people we're going to follow the whole time. Wait, there's a tire in the sky and her head explodes again. Yeah, especially because it's, have you lost your fucking mind? And then the tire takes her head off. It's juvenile, but I'm laughing. I'm loving this. It's great. I love that part. And then they go right into the credit sequence. That was a great way to start the movie from that point. 
this film is so much more self-aware than the last one, which it took itself too seriously. Like when they drop these stupid lines that have double meanings, I'm laughing, I'm enjoying it. And I like the credit sequence here. They're doing that weird Total Recall x-ray skeletons, but they're recapping all the other deaths in the other films. I could tell they're having fun and I'm having fun right from the beginning. This is where I love doing an now playing retrospective series, because when I saw this in theaters, I thought these were random deaths or maybe deaths that we'd see later in this movie. But now I got it. I'm like, hey, there's the guy getting cut in thirds. And there's the guy who accidentally hung himself in the shower and seeing all this. And I've got to say, the CGI reenactments of deaths here were better than they actually were sometimes in the movies, especially for any of the deaths from part three that we saw. The nail gun in the head, better here. So already we're about quarter of the way through the film at this point. (laughs) But I'm enjoying myself. And we see something else here we haven't seen before. Nick has a second premonition, and he has premonitions of every death. And this is something we've been bitching about for three podcasts, is how inconsistent the rules were, why do people have the visions. I am more willing to go with somebody doesn't know why they're psychic, they just have the gift, but the gift keeps coming rather than just one time. I'm right there with you. You know, when I was watching this, I guess I'd forgotten that it was originally out in 3D. So I'm like, what's with these really bad CGI visions where things are like floating on the screen? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this was 3D. So that made sense. (laughs) But yeah, I like that at least this time. Okay, he's going to have it might not be an in-depth vision every time. It's still a little cryptic, but at least he's having more psychic premonitions throughout the film. This movie is so economical. They're not going to waste time with people going, we don't believe you're psychic. He saved their lives from a massive car crash and everybody's just like, yep, he's got the gift. Moving on. For most people, this probably wasn't the first final destination they're going in to see. We don't need the rules recap for us once again. We know what's going on. It's going to move on and bring us the laughs. I love this next death. So at this point, I'm waiting for something here to get me going. And until the first death, I was having trouble finding that. So he has a dream premonition with a hook that leads into the racist knowing where the security guard lives to try to kill him. And I've never really thought about how much trouble it would be to burn a cross in somebody's yard before. (laughs) But that looks like a lot of work for hate. (laughs) I would think hate would be lazy. It also seems like a really noisy thing when the person's still awake inside their home. It looks like a well-populated suburban area, too. Someone's going to wake up and see. (laughs) It's well lit. Yeah. Yeah, I actually thought he'd start by pounding it into the ground, you know, like a stake. And I'm like, he'll hear that. Oh, he's digging. That's slightly less noisy. You got to really hate someone to do that. Digging is not an easy thing to do. So here, again, a sense of musical irony as why can't we be friends (laughs) comes on the radio. I was cracking up. Death obviously wants to say, not only am I going to kill you, but you're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And not only am I going to drag you down the road, I'm going to drag you down the road on fire. I did like how it ended with the burning head flying on the lawn. Not only that, I love, okay, you got this ironic song playing. The the guy who was going to burn across the lawn is now on fire being dragged. You have the barbecue head on the lawn. And then they jump to a TV with a cartoon with a guy on fire. I just like how much fun they're having here with all these quick cuts and kind of interconnecting them. And I can't imagine that's a real cartoon as the character is screaming, my ass is on fire, my ass is on fire. Don't we cut to then the apartment with the redhead with her underpants and they're watching the TV and see the races get killed? With the two of them not bothering acting, just reading lines to each other, but without the scripts in their hands? I'm sorry, I didn't notice because as you mentioned, she was in her panties. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then we get another premonition, a cool one of an eye being cut. I have a thing with eyes. If we ever get to Superman 3, I'll discuss it in greater detail. But I don't like it when things happen to eyes. Of course, it is the mother, Samantha, going to the hair salon. Now, she has two little kids. And honestly, I thought they'd die too. I mean, they were in the speedway. I couldn't really remember the vision. I just kind of assumed most people died. At first, I assumed that her whole family died and we're going to see all of them die. But I went back and rewatched it. Her husband and the kids were able to escape while she was being trampled in the vision. Yeah, but they also killed the kid in the second one with the glass, remember? So I was with Arnie in this one. I didn't completely remember who died either. But I did think that the kids were going to get it here too. And in fact, as we'll talk about it in a second, they do cause their mother's death. Right. The best thing we've talked about this for three podcasts now, some of the best scenes of this movie is when a lot of different things could kill you, or there's a long chain of things that could do it. And they certainly set you up here with that kind of stuff. I was getting into the machinations of what's going on for this death. I thought some of this was pretty well done. I agree. Oh, when they're digging in the toes with the knife to clean out the toe, like, I couldn't watch the screen. I guess I have a hard time watching pedicures, but... <laughs> Just again, good horror is what it makes you imagine because you're always going to think of something worse. And every time they showed that little knife cleaning out the nails, like I had to turn away. I did put in my notes at this point that I was so happy that the cat and mouse game was back because I loved that in the first two about what is it that's going to kill her. There's so much here. The fan falling out. You've got the chair. We saw her eye sliced. I thought that the chair falling was going to cause the hairdresser to cut her eyeball. I didn't know how exactly that would work, but that's where I saw it going. She would have had to have some pretty long bangs. <laughs> and the body butter is going on the floor. Now, I don't know what you do in body butter. I guess what you do with body butter in your own home is your own business. But the glass of water on the counter, the hair spray in the curling iron, there's so much here. And she walks out alive. I'm not sure. Did she make it quite outside the building? <laughs> I thought she was in the doorway. I she, yeah, I thought she was in the doorway there. And then someone says, I got my eye on you, and boom. It's a pun! It's a visual pun! Yeah. These first couple of deaths really grabbed me and thought, okay, this is getting back on track for me. I was pretty happy about that. And I liked that the kids were throwing the rocks at the mower guy, and the mower guy hits the rock, so that's what causes her death. And he's just mowing along, smoking a cigarette on a gas mower, and he's oblivious that he just killed a woman. You know, and then you get this follow-up line when Nick and Lori and their friends, Hunt and Janet, find out about the death. And Hunt, the wannabe stiffler, we just lost a really hot milk. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they know what the audience wants in this film. And at the end of that scene, doesn't he say, like, I'm going to go get laid? Yeah, which confused me because I thought Janet was his girlfriend. I thought that they were on, like, a double date at the racetrack. I thought the same thing, too, but... Hunt becomes like, he's like, well, I'm going to die anyway. Why don't I just go get laid? Which, you know, kind of makes sense. I agreed. Yeah, not wrong. You know, if you're going to die, why not go out having fun? I saw his logic and I was like, good for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a scene also we got the obligatory recap of what we can do to avoid dying thing, right? This is the scene where I was like, okay, for all those who've never seen a movie like this before, here's what's going on. What I liked about this, though, was that... It was a little bit new. You didn't need to see the others. I actually felt like I had some extra baggage going in because here, these characters are brand new to it, right? They don't know you can't kill yourself. They think if death skips you, maybe you're safe, that it's not just going to cycle back around on you. So 
by removing the number at the end, it almost was like a new beginning of sorts. And I love that they just call it out. They just Googled some stuff and they found it on Google. Because I was wondering, like, how much internet research would you have to do to, like, find out about Flight 180 and how this person had a vision? They're like, no, we just Googled it. We talked about how there's the bad puns at the beginning of three. They dropped this line, would it kill you to be sensitive? Which, (laughs) it works in this film because they're trying to have fun. This film is so much more self-aware than the last one. I'm laughing, I'm enjoying it. It's like salt. You can put a little in and it enhances the flavor. You put too much and the meal is ruined. Ooh, nice. But right after this, they decide, I can't remember what order we all died in. Maybe the security videos can help me. Let's go back to the track and get the security videos. I was glad that he couldn't remember because I thought in the first one, they really couldn't remember. He kept pulling out that seating chart, even in Paris. In the second and third, it was a little too convenient that I remember all these strangers' faces and in exactly what order they fell to their doom. So in this one, I liked that he's like, I don't remember. There were a lot of people there. So let's break into the racetrack and get the security footage, which probably would be confiscated by the police, would it not? Everything's digital. Police took a copy. (laughs) If I go with the movie, I'll make excuses for it. Drinking the Kool-Aid, you might as well drink the last drop. Because I'm thinking, okay, and the security guard has no problem with these people breaking in looking at security videos. You know, they're like, hey, you saved my life. Okay, I'll listen to what you have to say, you criminals. I was going with it because I was enjoying the film so much at this point. I'm not going to get bogged down by, why do they have security footage? It's not going to bother me. I'm going with the film. Here's the thing is, I understand it's a dumb film. And I love dumb movies sometimes. Whether or not it's dumb, we should go with it, versus how about give the audience a little bit of credit? I mean, there's dumb movies, and then there's just lazy movies. And I think this one falls more in the lazy town. I don't think this is a lazy movie. I think it's a self-aware movie. I feel like I'm taking the Stuart line here. You know, he likes the self-awareness, like the one Chucky movie about Hollywood. He liked the self-awareness there. He likes that kind of thing. That's what I like about this film. It knows the other three films that exist. It knows what it's doing. I mean, just the lines they drop in here, they know it's not serious. There's a shot where Janet, when she's driving and she's talking on the phone, she's like, that's some bullshit. And then a bird shits on our window. It's stupid. But Mm -hmm. they know it's stupid because they're winking at me. They're not taking it seriously. They know it's a joke. They know it's maybe a poor joke, but they're just going with it, moving along. And I'm going along with them. More to the point, this is the director of Snakes on a Plane. And we've Mm -hmm. not reviewed Snakes on a Plane. I actually did back on Snakes on a Podcast, a different show. But here, this is what Snakes on a Plane should have been. Is this kind of dumb, irreverent, fast-paced, almost self-parodying type of movie. Snakes on a Plane got bad reviews from both critics and just general moviegoers alike because I think what they wanted was what the final destination delivers. And I think David R. Ellis got lessons learned off his motherfucking snakes on that motherfucking plane and brought those to the final destination is why this movie is as much fun as it is. And I'm going to say one more thing on this point is that I don't think the three leads in this movie, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, and the security guard, knew or was playing to me that they knew that this was whole thing was a joke, I think they were taking it too seriously. Whereas Samuel L. Jackson and Keenan Thompson and Snakes on the Plane, I knew they were in on the joke. I knew that. So that's one of my big problems with this movie was the two leads of this movie. There were Every single line reading was blander than the last. And I understand we're not going for Oscar-worthy performances here. The security guard was doing the best he could. I was okay with him. You do know that's Bubba Gump, right? I do. I do know okay. he was Bubba Gump. As for the other two, I realize art is subjective, but I think that their performances were adequate. There was nothing in them that I thought was as bad as our leads in three. 
Nobody here annoyed me. They were giving adequate line readings. Their performances didn't push me out, nor did they draw me in. So as you said before, we get to the mechanic's death. I don't know if you guys noticed how thick that fence was before the fence came into play, but I wrote it down instantly. Why is this fence so thick? No chain link fence I've ever seen is that thick. Brock, you were just hating this movie if you got time to notice the thickness of the chain link fence. Well, that's the thing. If I'm noticing that kind of crap, Jacob, the movie clearly is not pulling me in. Obviously, that's what I'm calling out. I mean, I'm not noticing this stuff. I'm not noticing the gauge of wire used for the fence. It's like big, thick metal. It's not even gauge of wire. Here's what's funny is I just thought it was because this was a 3D shot, and I remember being in theaters, and it was definitely you had the layer of the mechanic and the layer of the fence and the layer of the people in front of the fence. I I just thought it was a bad 3D effect reason. I didn't oh. think it would have anything to do with the death. Because later on with the death, when it pops right out at you, I was like, oh, that's why the sense is so thick. Okay. And this is the one death that didn't work for me because I'm like, I don't care how much pressure is in that tank of NOS. It is not going to push you through chain link. The fence would bend and break before it would cut you like a cookie cutter. Arnie, you're worried about physics now? <laughs> You said this was a Looney Tune show. There are no physics. <laughs> this is true. This is true. My ass is on fire. I gotcha. I mean, this is like the barbed wire death from two for me. The guy getting pushed through the fence. I'm laughing. I'm enjoying this. I'm not getting bogged down by wire gauge or physics. It just bothered me a little bit because it seemed so improbable. It didn't ruin anything for me, but I was just like, all right. I loved, though. I love seeing the people through a hole in his body. I laughed out loud. Then we get to what is perhaps my favorite scene of the whole film is the double death. You get Hunt in a swimming pool and Janet in a car wash and Nick has a vision that the death is by water and a coin. And of course, Hunt has the little coin he flips through his fingers. Janet drops coins at the car wash. Which one will drown? And well, Nick knows it has something to do with water because he pulls up to a clear river's water sign. Ha ha. Yeah. That one didn't get me to laugh. That was one of those times where I didn't need that. I groaned at that point. At least her name made sense that time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't get it. I just got that. Artie, what? <laughs> I'm disappointed you missed that. I am, too. Whoa. <laughs> Slow burn. I don't know. I kind of like the scene in the bodega. Is that what it is? With the titty shot? Yeah. Is that why you liked it? <laughs> well, I didn't hate it because of that. I just thought the scene was funny. You know, he was done and he was done. <laughs> I thought that was the perfect thing for the character that they were setting up. And that was a clear sign of the audience. This is where he's going to get it, folks. Here we go. And here I'm thinking in the first one, they were worried about tetanus. How about chlamydia? <laughs> he's not going to be around long enough for that. <laughs> I also kind of like how the drain pool lever had like, they might as well have said volcano heat, like they do on stoves in cartoons, because it had the suction power out of a cartoon. I at first thought he was just going to drown. And when I first saw this, maybe it was also because of the 3D effect, but my rectum closed up in the theater. I just was like, ah! <laughs> kind of like when guys get shot in the balls sometimes in movies, uh -huh. sometimes it you wince a little bit. Yeah, thing, but I could actually feel my sphincter close in the theater. Unfortunately, <laughs> I gotta say, I think this scene lacks in gore. If you're going to suck a man's intestines out his ass, I need more than just some blood gurgling up in the pump. Didn't you get a big splash of guts blow out of the pipe and land on the side of the pool? Yeah, but I need to see his body, like, sucked inward, like the asthmatic in Nightmare 4. 
Yeah, I would have liked some more gore here. You know, have the body, I don't know, turn inside out or something from being sucked down that train or have the skeleton removed with this flesh floating in the pool or something. I agree. I mean, if you're going to have a movie where a person can be cut through a fence like a cheese slicer, then allow this train to suck his skin off and leave him like Frank from Hellraiser in the pool. Kind of like the Predator when he pulls a skull out with the spine still attached, but popped in my head when you guys were talking. What I'm thinking is actually an alien resurrection, which we may get to next year. When the albino alien is sucked out the small hole in the window. Oh, I haven't seen it. But yeah, I wanted a little more over the top, but I don't know. This whole scene was like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. I was squirming. I did mm. not like the thought of my rectum getting sucked out. Now, this could actually happen, or has this actually happened to somebody? I did some Googling because I thought I'd read something about this. In yeah. 2008, a girl's intestine was partially sucked out on a pool drain. There you go. And she lived? Yes, she did live, but I think there had to be a bowel resection, and now I just got way too technical, didn't I? Yeah, she didn't have her whole asshole sucked out, like, hunted. Like, that was just, I'm like, wow, wow, they yeah. suck his ass out. Because he's an asshole. <laughs> right? He's the asshole, so that's how he gets it. As far as the other quote-unquote death scene with the car wash, I'm screaming at the scream, climb out of the sunroof. But I thought she'd get beheaded by the sunroof. Yes, so did I. And why wasn't her car radio playing at the car wash? I mean, isn't this the kind of movie we're in? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps all the water short-circuited out the radio. But after Hunt's death, it kind of slows down for me. I agree completely. There's some neat stuff where they go back to the security guard, and he's like, I've been trying to kill myself all day. A throwback, the second one, but not a lot going on. I wanted the pace to keep up. See, this security guard seems interesting to me, because they go to his house, and they let on that he's dead by suicide, right? But I'm saying to myself, we can't, because we know suicide doesn't work. And then when they find him, he admits he's trying to do it all day. Okay, good. And then, at the end of the scene, he says, I'm going to go get some cookies. Right? So I'm like, oh, God, death by cookies. That'd be really funny. (laughs) And then the scene ends. And I'm like, well, this whole scene was just a waste of time. It was. This is where it goes downhill. And what I really don't like is that the next death, you think it's the security guard. It's the cowboy. You think he died in the original crash, but he's just been in the hospital this whole time. I hated that. That is such a cheat. And then when it's his death next... My God, it goes back to what I was saying about the end of part three, where now seeing a character who had literally one line in the film go through an agonizing, drawn out death, watching the pool fill until it crashes through the hospital floor onto Jonathan, the cowboy. See, now we all talked about these little hay, whether it's how thick a fence is or whatever. This is the scene that really bugged me. Like, (laughs) why did this faucet just keep going didn't make sense usually there's some kind of overflow so it doesn't flood your whole house this it just seemed like oh we're gonna have a convenient death here it's not even a great scene there's no gore involved just the tub falls through the floor yeah this one bothered me that didn't bother me at all because there was actually a close-up of like a safety drain they did one brief shot to show you that the water's going around the drain instead of in it i don't remember that yeah neither do i so it must have been a real quick one But yeah, it goes through and we kill Jonathan and the old man was funny. He was great in it, trying to scream for help, but he's old so he can't shout. And and he's like, you know how many of your kind I killed in Korea? I'm Chinese, sir. I'm laughing. Yeah, no, that was funny. I did laugh at that line, yes. The thing that threw me is Nick has these premonitions every time. And in the premonition, you see the faucet, but you also see a snake. 
And so I'm like, are snakes going to come out of the faucet? <laughs> and like, what? How are the snakes? And then the guy dies. I'm like, wait, th- there showed a snake. Where's the snake? There's got to be some snake to tie this vision up. But they were too late for the cowboy, and we have George's death. On one hand, they did call it out. They're having a conversation about deja vu. Okay? That's good. But you know how in cartoons, when you have a bowl of oatmeal, and they're going to eat some of the oatmeal, the oatmeal that they're going to eat is a different color than the rest of the oatmeal? <laughs> yes. He jumped out of the screen like he wasn't there with the other guy. The special effects in that scene was so telegraphing what's going to happen. So not only were they talking about deja vu, but the bad special effects took away from the shock value of the ambulance coming and killing. I didn't notice, actually. But they did keep him off screen for most of it. And, of course, this is where the snake comes in. The ambulance that hits him, that symbol of medicine or whatever, is a snake. And they zoom in on the door there so you see your snake. At least they explained (laughs) that part of the vision for me. I was satisfied then. They kind of broke the rules combining two deaths into one vision, but whatever. I'm ready for the movie to move on. <laughs> the movie's not going to waste any time. Why should we? Yeah. So the girls are going to a 3D movie at the mall. Well, first there's the shopping trip where she buys new sneakers. Oh, right. The shopping trip. How could I forget that? I gotta say, I was glad at this point the movie was only 82 minutes because that was starting to feel a little long after the Jonathan death. I love this scene in the mall, though. And they got the remote control nascar crashing into her foot again it's stupid but i'm laughing it throw back to the beginning you know what sold that for me was the obliviously slightly malevolent look on the faces of the people controlling the vehicles (laughs) but they're going to go see a 3d movie which is a wonderful lovelace dying yes lovelace dying what kind of movie is lovelace dying I thought I heard a line earlier that it was a romantic comedy in 3D, but when they actually show the film, it looked like more of an action film. So I don't know where I got the romance 3D film, but that kind of made me laugh. I thought the same thing. I mean, Lovelace Dying sounds like The Notebook to me. It sounds like a film I wouldn't want to review for now playing. I have down here, oh, it's not a chick flick, apparently. <laughs> so yeah, and then they go there and there's like explosions and everything. I'm like, Hunt would have enjoyed this. And Hunt was bitching that he didn't want to see it. He'd rather see NASCAR. It's so self-referential at this point. It's like, downright it, recursive. I loved that they brought this movie to a 3D movie. I thought it was a really smart idea. There's one thing that bothered me, though. I can't remember from seeing this in theaters, but on my 2D Blu-ray of this, when they show the 3D movie, it looks like a 3D movie without the glasses. It's got the two images. And I can't remember if in the actual theater if that was looking right or wrong now you know one of the things i think i said it way back with the first final destination is if death's out to get everyone why doesn't he just set off all the nuclear bombs and and blow everyone up that way why come up with these elaborate schemes after the screen blows up you see this whole mall falling apart and nick's running and trying to dodge all the falling columns and you got the escalator Lori gets stuck in the escalator and she gets ground up and i'm like okay finally death is just gonna blow shit up to kill everyone let's forget all the nuance and the secret traps let's just blow things up so it bothered me though because what starts this huge mall death is a tarp falls open and a pair of glasses are there at like the staff of Ra in Raiders. <laughs> it shines a beam that ignites a blaze. I was like, oh boy. If there were ants, it might be final destination for ants. But setting a real fire that way, I, yeah. I'm not a Boy Scout, but I don't see that. I was a Boy Scout, and you could do that. With the right glasses, you could do it. Does it really matter at this point, Arnie, about the mechanism? Isn't it kind of cool that the explosion on the screen blew them all up 
in the theater for real. That is true. And what was bothering me is one of my jobs as now playing host is to keep the body counts of all these horror films. I couldn't keep up. How many people were in that mall? I was so glad that it was revealed to be a vision. It got me. I didn't know. It got me too. Like, I thought, again, you're doing something this big. With the opening of the third film, yeah, that roller coaster thing, I could see how you might have some extra money left over in your budget. <laughs> this whole NASCAR <laughs> thing with the 3D and all the CGI, it got me that this was a vision again, and they weren't blowing it up for real. Well, I guess I'm the uh, negative Nelly again, because they had a premonition at the end of the third movie, so I knew this one was a premonition. But what got me was I enjoyed this premonition 10 times more than I enjoyed the NASCAR one, and I wish this was the death scene in the beginning of the movie. Because I love the grinding, Jacob, as you said. I love the theater blowing up. I love the idea behind putting a 3D movie in as a mechanism, yada, 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 yada. I love everything we're talking about. Why couldn't this have been the beginning of the movie? And you know what else is I was reading, apparently, in theaters much cooler than the ones I have here in Illinois, there are D-box motion seats in theaters. And so your seat actually moves at certain points in the movie. So when the theater explodes, I can imagine your chair would actually rock in the theater. It's just that much more immersive. Cool. So yeah, I loved everything about this explosions and all these kind of stuff. I was disappointed and because it wasn't in the right place for the movie for me. I liked that it was a fake out because, you know, the last one, it felt so tacked on, right? Because it was five months later. Here, this was right after George got hit. And so even though you say, Brock, the last one ended this way, yeah, it was the first one to have a second premonition but here this fits because nick's been having premonitions all the time Mm -hmm. but all of them have been so surreal and you've been seeing words and various shapes to see it like this it got me completely and when they did it i was like ah you got me you know (laughs) fool me once shame on you fool me twice you got me then of course they killed george again which i love I thought that was really funny that he comes out of the premonition, but not in time for George. (laughs) I did laugh out loud when that happened. And it's the first time that premonition is stopped to save everybody's life. Nick is the only hero in four Final Destination films. Wait, why? He stops the mall from blowing up. Okay. He saves all the mall patrons' lives. Unless death is going to follow them in maybe Final Destination 5. Find out next week. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, it's not that he gets off scot-free. I mean, he's got that painful scene where Death is still trying to stop him, and the nail gun goes off and nails his arm to the wall, and he had to pay his dues to save these people. Which I like, too. I think that in good films, there should be no victory without sacrifice. And I like that the next scene, you know, the two weeks later, he's getting ready for a trip. He's at a construction site. He's like, safety first, and wave at his cast. I love that. I wish they would have gone on a little bit longer with that. Like, now he's a safety inspector. It looks like your bolts are loose there. You want to tighten those? Like, I liked that. You know, it took me back to the first film when the guy kind of goes crazy and he's locked up in tetanus. It took me back to what kind of psychological effect would this kind of situation actually have on you? Yeah, you'd probably become a safety inspector. But in two weeks later, they go to the coffee shop and the semi-truck. But Jacob... You've always said in all three of the previous podcasts, who's the vision? Are the visions coming from God? Is there a force? Here, Nick briefly answers your question. Death has been giving him the visions to manipulate him per death's design. Which, it's an answer. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
But it's an answer. <laughs> like, why does death, I've asked this before, even if death wasn't giving the visions, why does he need such complicated means to kill people? Like, why? <laughs> is he just sadistic and he just likes to torture these chosen few that get these visions? Like, it's an answer, but it leaves me with a lot more questions. I did like, though, at the end, when the truck comes through, they go right back to the opening credit sequence of the x-rays, and we see there's his teeth falling out and stuff like that. I love that because I like the opening credits, and so to tie it together and make it actually pay off for that style really worked for me. I agreed. I think that was a nice way to end the movie. I also was glad that the movie ended. It was a very short movie. I have it down. Like, before credits, it's an hour and 16 minutes. Very short movie, and I was happy for that because just wasn't my cup of tea this one so jacob arnie do you recommend the final destination jacob i could say most confidently hell yes i recommend the final (laughs) destination this is one i enjoyed it almost from start to finish there's a few times where it kind of slows down but for the most part i love how self-referential it was it was aware of what it was trying to do goofy jokes in it great death scenes I had so much fun. You know, the 3D movie and a 3D movie. Ah, my mind's exploding thinking about this film. It's just a fun film. You know, never mind that the fun you're having is watching people die in horrible (laughs) ways. But yes, this is the best Final Destination movie thus far. Highly recommended. Arnie. You know, I tend to agree. This is the best of the Final Destination films. And you say you're having fun watching people die as if that's a bad thing, but... I mean, I almost equate this to a 21st century Three Stooges, right? I mean, if you took the Three Stooges down to the bases element, you'd say, yeah, you're having fun watching people abuse each other and beat them on the head with boards. I mean, it becomes slapstick comedy. And here, it's just the goriest of slapstick comedy. This is a comedy film. This is not a horror film. It's a horrific comedy film, but it's a comedy and it's a funny one. And what's odd to me is, Brock, you mentioned the length. Mm. I kind of have a couple of rules of thumb on when I'm judging a movie. And one of those rules of thumb is PG-13 horror sucks. The other one is movies under 90 minutes suck. And that's something that I've just come to find. I mean, I learned that way back when, like, I found out Freddy's Revenge was 88 minutes and all the other Nightmare on Elm Streets were 90-some. It was like, if you can't cross the 90-minute mark, usually that means there's not enough there to even hold interest 80 minutes is the minimum length for a feature film, and if you're cutting that close, then it may mean that there's a lack of creativity. But here, I think efficiency is the key. I would not want 20 padded minutes of dialogue. Where this film started to bog in the second half were the talky scenes If I'm going to try to kill myself. Let's go have some cookies. When this movie was at its peak, especially during the first half with the rat-a-tat-tat death and the playing around and the visions... It worked for me completely. High recommend. Best of the series. I can only hope that the next one matches. I almost dare not hope. Well, Arnie, I think then your rule applies for me here because I just was not drinking this Kool-Aid, guys. And I said that earlier in the podcast and throughout. Just when the movie was getting me going, then it stopped from getting me going. I really wish that mall scene was the big premonition scene. I thought that was the best scene in the entire movie. It came way too late in the movie for me. I understand that what you get for these horror movies is not supposed to be grand acting and a lot of great writing and things like that. We have to give concessions here and there. But I think this whole movie was just, I said it before, I find it lazy. I've expected more because of what I've gotten from three other movies and even the last one. 
I just did not enjoy this movie at anywhere near you guys. I'm not recommending this one. I just don't think it's a good movie. I think it's bad acting. I think it's bad writing. I think it's bad directing. And where it has some good moments, not enough for me to give it anywhere near close to recommend. But it's great that you two didn't like it, and that's why we have three different people on these podcasts. So I still have seen enough good Final Destination to go into the next one looking forward to what they're going to give me. But I wonder what kind of Final Destination they're going to give us. Did you guys see the poster for Final Five yet? The one I've seen, the five kind of looks like a knight. Yeah, the five is like a scythe in the skull. Yeah, it reminded me of like Scream or something. The poster seems a little odd to me for this kind of series that we've already seen. It seems like a little more intense than what we're used to from this series. My only thoughts going into Final Destination 5 is that I'm glad to see they're bringing Tony Todd back because I think that he was the character with the answers, Bloodworth, and if we want real answers to our questions about Death's design and who the forces at work are, Tony Todd's the man who can provide them. He's our mystical man. Mm -hmm. But the director on this one is Stephen Quayle, who really hasn't directed much at all. He's worked with James Cameron as some second unit stuff on Titanic and Avatar, but this is his first feature film that's not like a documentary. So I don't know how much hope I hold for it, being a first-time director. Mm -hmm. The writer for Final Five is the writer of the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot and the Thing reboot, so... We will see. Yeah. And I got to say, I've seen the trailer for this, and it reminded me more of three than anything. I've enjoyed three out of four of these films. I'm going in hopeful. I just hope they understand what kind of tone works for these films. Would you guys know it's Final Destination 5 by looking at that poster if we weren't already looking forward to it? To me, I wouldn't know that, even though I've seen the first four. That's weird to me how they're marketing that. So I think it's going to be a much darker tone, what I'm getting at. And we'll see if it works. But see, what we all think... When we see the movie for next week's Now Playing. We'll see you soon. Your friend's departure shows that death has a new design for all of you. Now you have to figure out how and when it's coming back at you. But remember, the risk cheating the plan of disrespecting the design could incite a fury that could terrorize even the newspaper. And you don't even want to fuck with that, Mac Daddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing. Well, that went well. Remember to come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another Final Destination film. I was meant to see this movie. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other films, such as Saw, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Terminator, Star Trek, and many more, as well as individual movie reviews such as Man-Thing, Inception, and The Human Centipede. This is the beginning of the end. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss our movie reviews with other listeners. Hey, don't knock my fan base. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post mini movie reviews. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Don't worry. Once the others are dead, it'll come back for you. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Fuck, I saved him!
You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. You're dead! You're dead! And you're taking me with you! Now Playing's Final Destination series is edited by Samuel, Tim, Brock, and Arnie. Let's go take a shit. Now Playing is not affiliated with New Line Cinema. The Final Destination series is the property of New Line Cinema and no infringement is intended. That is some spooky psycho babble. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. Now playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2011, all rights reserved. I'll see you soon. It's still a little bit cryptic, but a bit more informative than, say, looking up the photos camera. from a Panasonic DMC FX8. <laughs> Five megapixel. <laughs> that should be like on our website, a link to you could buy one on eBay or something. Because, gosh, we plug in this camera. I mean, if that's irony, fine. But to me, irony is a little more subtle. This was like over the head with a sledgehammer. Well, uh, this, these movies are for teenagers, you know, so they got to be a little overt there. I consider it a dramatic irony, not literary irony. I see. I see. And, you know, it's like salt. You can put a little in and it enhances the flavor. You put too much and the meal is ruined. Ooh, Nice. Nice. That's <laughs> your culinary tip of the podcast. Honestly. That's like, you know, whether we put milk in an omelet. So, um... You know, Final Destination always seems to pick and choose out of the news, right? It, you know, the car It's like Law and Order. Things. didn't make sense usually there's some kind of overflow so it doesn't flood your whole house i realize brock that this is poor timing coming back to a flooded house i'm sorry i don't mean to make <laughs> so, light of that, that was so poor taste jacob <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't do that do you have any idea what i'm talking about both of you are very quiet yeah i just have nothing to add fair yeah. enough okay. <laughs> <laughs> and scene